Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Forbes India Insights, Transforming Healthcare with Technology, powered by Epilo. To our audience who've joined us today, amidst these turbulent times, and we hope you and your family are staying indoors and safe. Please do remember to wear your mask at all times. We join today by a rather distinguished panel who are undoubtedly pioneers in the field of healthcare to speak about the need of technology in transforming the sector. We have Ms. Meena Ganesh, the CEO and MD of Portia Medical, one of India's fastest growing providers of in-home medical care. Dr. Arvind Lal, the CMD at Dr. Lal Path Lab. Mr. Vijender Singh, the CEO of Metropolis Healthcare Limited. Both, Mr. Both Dr. Lal uh, Path Lab and uh, Metropolis Healthcare have been at the forefront of, uh, you know, the COVID fight, and they, they, they are uh, two of India's best-known diagnostic uh, companies. Uh, Mr. Mukesh Rathi, the CIO of Dr. Reddy's Laboratories, will be bringing the Sputnik V vaccine to India. Dr. Bhubinder Singh, Chairman of Board Epilo Health System, a leading digital healthcare company based out of Europe, and Mr. Asif Shah, the CEO of Epilo Health Systems. Thank you, Meena and gentlemen, for joining us today. We are in the midst of a really grim situation. As we speak, much of our existing healthcare system has been stretched, and in some cases, even brought to its knees by the enormous second wave of COVID-19. Hospitals are out of bed, people are gasping for breath, and even crematoriums are burning nonstop. The projections that the worst is yet to come, and the peak is only expected in May, and we hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but the current crisis, which has affected most of us personally, unlike the earlier wave, is also an eye-opener of sorts. Clearly, we've come to understand that our existing health infrastructure is inadequate, and for a country with a population of this scale, much more needs to be done. Technology could be that lever, as in when we emerge out of the crisis, to rebuild a sustainable future and make healthcare accessible and affordable for millions. Technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and data will have significant roles to play and can be leveraged and integrated to create new business models. That means the future of healthcare will undoubtedly witness a definite shift uh, from a curative uh, to a more preventive and tech-enabled approach. Think of the emergence of blockchain technology and how health information exchanges can now become more efficient, disintermediated and secure. Or for that matter, how telemedicine has helped us during these turbulent times and even the government's own ambitious national digital health mission. On that note, let me begin today's discussion with views from all of our panelists on how you're handling the current situation and if the past year did prepare you for the eventuality that we are seeing today. Let me start by going across to Meena and then we'll have the other panelists join us. Um, hello, Mano. Um, uh, good to be here on the show. And even, the, even though it is really one of the most trying times in my life, I've never experienced something like this, as I'm sure is true for most of you. Um, to answer your question, what we are doing right now, um, one of the key objectives that we are uh, working towards is to try and see how we can keep more and more patients away from the hospital, stabilize them at home, give them comfort, give them the medication, give them the medical support that they need so that hospitals which are super overloaded can um, focus on those patients uh, who really need the hospital help. Towards this end, we do um, uh, remote monitoring of home isolated patients. We provide support at home in case the patients need that help. 
with the help of nurses with the help of nursing attendants provide them with oxygen therapy and recently we've started to work with uh, some hotels who wish to create isolation facilities so that patients can be stabilized there instead of trying to move them to a facility to answer your second part of your question as to what, what how have how have we prepared ourselves i i think uh, over the last 7 years we've been spending all our time in building capability to support patients outside of a hospital that has been our stated objectives and that's what we built ourselves on and having a com a comprehensive set of offerings which help towards this um including a very robust technology platform which helps us monitor patients remotely has helped us to do our own small bit towards this whole big crisis in the wave one we worked with a number of state governments to help manage home isolated patients of covid through a remote monitoring using technology and using healthcare workers this time round um state governments are way beyond that it is not possible to monitor home isolated patients we just have to to some degree let them be um on their own and they are only able to manage the ones which is truly truly critical so uh, from our end we've been supporting a lot of these patients we are currently working on procuring a large number of oxygen concentrators directly as well as we've got a number of donors who are supporting us because uh, the problem is that while those that can afford will pay to rent out an oxygen concentrator and many of them are even buying there are a lot of poor people who just cannot afford it and are gasping for breath in their homes so we have um, created a program by which we provide these oxygen concentrators free of cost to a number of uh, uh, people who are in the economically backward section with the help of donor money which is coming uh, towards the sector so it's a it's very challenging a lot of lessons to learn and i'm sure manu during the course of this conversation we'll talk more about that absolutely um let me bring in uh, dr lal and uh, mr vijendra singh here uh, you know testing is absolutely critical in these times um so take us through you know what you think uh, you know i mean if if the past year could have prepared us better um and you know how the situation is right, right now uh, dr lal So, Manu, please allow me to give you an overview, and which uh, you know which I feel must be shared. So, India, as you all know, has been reporting over three hundred thousand cases since the last ten days or so, and uh, one lakh cases in the last uh, you know twenty-five days. So, since the start of this pandemic this year, India has been dealing with four, four major variants of this virus. That's what I want to talk about. the first strain originally uh, originated in wuhan china which was brought to india as you know by medical students the second one was the b1117 first identified in the uk and carried to india from those traveling from the uk and these two strains proved to be less virulent than the next two strains uh, which have been identified and the first one is b1617 the most common strain in india for the last two months it's also known as a double mutant and the current one which is b1618 is highly prevalent in maharashtra west bengal and chatisgarh also being called a triple mutant and this is a dangerous one and as you can see that most of the people who never thought people are meeting me and telling me that we don't even know how we got infected we never met anybody so there are lots of theories that one is that it uh, you know uh, makes into 
the, the droplets here are giving way to aerosol, which are much lesser, you know, in uh, size, and they hover around in a room like a cloud. And the, the people in that uh, room, they leave, and they, the cloud remains there, the aerosol, and other people come in and they get infected. So I would like to add that evidence is also now emerged that, uh, you know, this probably the 5 to 10 micrometer, you know, uh, uh, aerosol, less than 5 micrometer, they are the ones which are probably responsible. And you may have heard that, you know, now people are, Dr. V.K. Paul has said that you should wear two masks and N95 or one, you know, surgical mask and one cloth mask. And even at home, you should be wearing masks. So this is the reason which I want to clarify it for everybody. So I would also like to, uh, you know, say here that India has failed to anticipate and prepare for the, the second wave, which we can see, we, we were just discussing, in the form of hospitals declaring shortage of beds, uh, oxygen, drugs, etc., ventilators, an increasing rate in number of deaths in the country, um, which is not a pretty sight, and not only in hospitals, our crematoriums are running, you know, full of capacity. So I would uh, like to say here uh, at the end that saving lives should now be the government's only priority. We need to execute lockdowns as well as calibrated financial packages for those who cannot earn a living during a lockdown. And I would like to you know, just emphasize here that there's been a lot of you know, uh, discussion that no, we should not lift the lockdown and should uh, lockdown is uh, now gone and you know, but I say that when there is no life, what, what are you going to be doing with the livelihood? In, in Hindi, they say, Jaan hai, Jahan hai. So I think that lockdown has its own very special place. It should not be used uh, indiscriminately. And now in these micro, you know, hotspots, etc., which have now come about. So I think that is where you have to concentrate on. And, and I think we can win over this if we do the things right now. So I would like to right. stop here for the time being. Right. Uh, let me just bring in uh, Mr. Vijender Singh here. Uh, Mr. Lal spoke about you know four different uh, you know types of the of the virus. Uh, how prepared were you? Did you get time to prepare for for what is really going on and um, and, and take us through that? Hey, uh, did we lose Mr. Singh? Yeah, so if, if you go back a year back, I think uh, there were two important things. First is that uh, nobody knew that what's going to happen to COVID. And I think number two, there were only two important things which were critical that point of time was to do more and more testing. And second was to take all safety measures. There were no vaccines, there were no kind of you know medications available. But if you look at now, so there are vaccines now available. So somewhere I think uh, the, 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 the challenge probably is, is to maximize our vaccination inoculation in the country. And today we have 125 crore you know, population. So if we, if we little bit hasten this whole vaccination program, I think to some extent that this situation can be contained. Now, if you look at second thing, uh, somewhere, you know, COVID, what COVID has brought is the behavioral change in the consumer's mind. The consumers are now more aware about safety, quality, and you know hygiene matters. 
and important was to also provide convenience because if people uh, step down from their houses there were chances that people may may catch uh, infection so hence at metropolis what we did that we created a lot of platforms and these platforms were not just for for patients but also for our customers also we infected in fact uh, heavily invested on various platforms where we we created uh, you know these platforms where we can you know engage with patients because that part of time it was important to actually connect with with the patients and your customers because that that was the time when the, these customers and patients were looking at you that uh, you know diagnostic companies are going to be there with them when they need it so these platforms actually really helped us in 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 terms of engaging with patients and providing you know convenience and also provide various safety factors also so i think vaccination is something which probably in coming months uh, the government and the private industry should quickly get into and probably should work on that uh, that uh, polio campaign which you know uh, in in last you know couple of years we have seen a uh, lot of campaigns has really helped us in eradic- eradicating uh, polio from the country so i think those kind of campaigns needs to be immediately uh, uh, actioned into plan and uh, probably there might be less of you know uh, cases of covid and that's what from my right before before i before i move to uh, bring in bindar and asif i i have one question to mukesh uh, mukesh vijinder spoke about you know the need to ramp up vaccinations you are going to be in the picture very soon with this particular vaccine um so how are you sort of readying up for that for that enormous challenge uh, that that we are we are facing right now and and how are you looking to sort of do that uh, and what are the platforms you are you're banking on for that sure sure so i think uh, first of all in terms of uh, priorities for uh, dr reddy's i think our first priorities of course uh, safety of our people and everything uh, possible we are going to make sure that uh, people feel safe when they come to work uh, because we really we are part of essential services and we have to continue to produce medicines which are needed uh, not just for prevention which is vaccination but also for management of the condition the city is a classic example which uh, went at a very high shortage in the last few weeks so i think i think that is number one because unless we run our plants unless we bring our people safely to the uh, workplace and they contribute in manufacturing these medicines the second part the, of the story is the logistics ensuring that actually logistics and information number one ensuring that uh, everybody is aware in terms of availability of these medicines many of many at times the problem becomes manifold because of lack of information and awareness and hence uh, initiatives like we put together a website where anybody can go and check availability of remdesivir in their uh, you know which is redix in their specific area what we could do to help uh, etc etc also linked to that uh, when we talk about sputnik i think it's uh, vaccine which has to be maintained at relatively much lower temperature and hence uh, ability to manage the overall cold chain from a logistics perspective a lot of technology components involved there as well in terms of data loggers ensuring the temperature is intact in the whole value chain from the point whether it is imported or even when we are start manufacturing uh, it in india as well so i think a combination of all of this is what we are putting in place to make sure that uh, both we bring them vaccines very quickly to uh, population in india as well as make the medicines available to manage the condition for people who are uh, suffering from it uh, just couple of comments on the uh, second part of the question which you asked before 
Uh, I think uh, we as a company invested heavily around technology in the last uh, few years. When the first wave of lockdown hit us in March, I think we, we were sort of very fortunate that we were fairly well placed to make sure that we could continue services and actually move a lot of people who could actually who don't need to touch the product or touch equipment could work remotely. You know, enhance work could continue, manufacturing it could continue. We were able to continue to supply medicines to patients. I think uh, in this, we were sort of made significant progress from there till now, and we were surely much, much better prepared. But I wish the industry in general was better prepared in terms of inventory. And I think which is where all the struggle happened around some of these essential medicines. I think all the effort is not on to ramp up production and make sure the stocks are available for better management of the condition uh, as we go forward. Right, interesting. Um, also, you know, uh, now let me bring in Bhupinder uh, and Asif also here. Uh, early days, you know, we saw Arugisetu, then Covin. I mean, that's that's essentially the platform now for vaccination. Uh, even from the government's point of view, there's been a lot of stress on, you know, uh, on, on, on sort of embracing technology. Um, when you look at our Indian healthcare companies, uh, you know, have they really unlocked the potential of, you know, digital transformation in healthcare right now? Bhubinder, uh, maybe you can give your thoughts and then I'll move to Asif. Yeah, hi, good afternoon, everyone. Being Amazon in this testing time, I want to say that we all are together and will be support in the best possible way and causes us to start with. Um, we, uh, with the government and we as a company also, we have a mission to help people lead the healthier, safer and a lifestyle. A safer lifestyle every, every day through the products and services that that connects, automate, disrupt, and bring innovation to the digital health landscape. Actually, as a healthcare, I I see it's not just about medication and the treatment nowadays. It's also about the lifestyle management, and we we are working towards that. We help uh, help people to achieve a balance between uh, treatment and its management through the healthy lifestyle change. And just to simplify what I'm trying to explain is a lot of times certain drugs don't go with another drugs and, uh, and a layman is not aware of that. Uh, similarly, certain foods can increase or decrease the effect of certain drug or a medic medicine you are taking and, and a common person is not aware of this fact. And we as a company at E-Pillow, we, we work with the digital therapeutics and, and with the help of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and uh, all new blockchain technology in the healthcare, and it helps to understand uh, patients' profile, and it suggests them to a drug, drug, and a drug food interactions, um, which can which can not only help them in getting their treatment right, but also to improve the efficacy of of their treatment treatment plans and help them to recover faster. In the countries like USA, when you can say, and Europe. There are close to 50% of their population is on the medication, the daily medication and the treatment plans. And, and we as can say that our technology will be very useful for, for their healthy man, management. And uh, to work on the complements, the healthcare industry mission is to enable more care into, into the ecosystem and bring innovation healthcare solutions to everyone's lifestyle. And uh, we we are bringing the we provide the solution to their mobile devices and they can they can operate uh, from their home, and we help them manage their medication, the alien align their meals and plans, 
right food diet is equally important along with the medication you know so we bring all that together and we do the patients profiling with the help of the better lifestyle choices and that way the digital healthcare is really important and i think it will uh, it will serve the very prevalent role in the near future and because of this covid situations also uh, it will help people to monitor their daily uh, uh, daily diet they will help to monitor their oxygen levels their uh, all lot of profiling which is required to keep keep yourself healthy and uh, we just jump in right there and we are working really hard every day to make this po- make this possible yeah. understood understood um asif uh, i i put the same question to you as well uh, you know our healthcare companies uh, you know across you know pharmaceutical companies and otherwise um have they really unlocked the potential of digital transformation in in the sector or uh, are we still in the sort of nascent stages uh, even now Oh, hi man good afternoon everyone uh healthcare sector has been at the center of the covid-19 crisis uh, on one hand it had the responsibility of treating covid-19 patients uh vaccinating the patients uh, now and uh, testing the patients uh it has also faced several other challenges much like other sectors in the midst of it all the sector has had to continuously innovate and come up with new ways of taking care of patients uh, with industry players like uh, you know dr lalpat labs metropolis healthcare protea working towards uh, at home diagnostics at home healthcare and on the point healthcare and dr reddy's lab you know rolling out doing up the vaccines uh, digital systems along with uh, uh, the other healthcare infrastructure are changing all spheres of our life and certainly also healthcare as the digital revolution converges with healthcare into this new exciting field of health which we call digital health we are easy, easily able to track manage and improve both our health and the health of ones we love we have seen uh, the biggest example of digital health in the times of covid crisis uh, right from the oximeters to aroga setu app to digital infrastructures to register patients to roll out patients to take appointments or to do anything uh, you know if technology wasn't there to manage uh, such billions of population in this times of pandemic would have been difficult digital health is also helping to reduce inefficiencies in the delivery of care while at the time it is streamlining access and improving quality and medicine quality of medicines and personalizing and precising medicines more you know sometimes people need help and medications aren't enough uh, so we at our organization evolo health are actively working on and testing a new subcategory called digital therapeutic technology which is also called dtx which is a crucial aid in treating illnesses and elevating diseases and just amplifying the therapy benefits of what patients are already going through like uh, our technology uh, is particularly focused on treating drug drug and drug food uh, interactions uh, you know for increasing and amplifying the benefits of medicines and prescription plans that people are already on you know during the times of covid uh, you know we have seen significant changes in consumer preferences and behavior and their behavior towards this healthcare sector in terms of hospital visits you know uh, a response reflected that more than 90% of the response respondents expressed their fear of visiting hospitals you know during and after covid the safety and precautionary expectations of the patients have increased 
they expect the hospitals to be more cleaner the staff to follow more protocols the technology to bring in more value in their life the affluence of healthcare delivery at home has increased so the companies and organizations that uh, you know that are coping up and that can cope up with this technological advancements will survive in the covid era and that will lead to the overall benefit of the population that's what i feel about the role of the technology in healthcare sector today understood um let me let me bring in uh, meena here meena you know in the early days you know so much of talk about telemedicine and you know uh, sort of the advent of uh, technology how we'll be adapting to that uh but you know as as things started sort of stabilizing or going down in india we saw people i i don't know if this is true but a lot of people probably would have uh you know i mean chosen not to do those as well so is there a problem in you know sort of adoption of those technologies within you know from from the consumer's end and uh, and and what can be sort of be done about that as well so um manu i think after the first wave there has been a huge increase in uh, teleconsultations for uh, all digital health players uh, as well as um, other solutions have emerged for instance like i was talking about home isolation management of uh, covid positive patients they are kept at home and somebody is monitoring them regularly and teleconsultations are done at the right time um, also i've seen that teleconsultation for other uh, conditions um, not related to covid um, uh, more teleconsultations for um, a second opinion uh elderly who are not going out wanting to only do teleconsultation this has indeed gone up there has been a massive increase in the adoption of this of course this is driven by the uh, situation and by the circumstances and post things coming back to normal i presume that there would be some drop that said i think this is this uh, covid has probably served as a huge change in uh, uh, has led to some significant change in behavior where you see even elderly people who are not very comfortable with technology are finding it more valuable to do the teleconsultations and to do video consultations so in my view actually there is a big change that this has brought about the second thing just uh, speaking of digital health it's not just teleconsultation but also capturing point of care or at patient end uh, vitals and there are number of um, players and number of devices that have come in Uh, and they were there earlier also last 7 years i would have seen hundreds of devices and hundreds of such manufacturers but the use case was just not coming through but now as a part of the covid monitoring suddenly devices have become valuable um, because having somebody monitor them continuously is becoming challenging so connected devices which are able to capture the data at the patient end and put push it up into a control center that's starting to make sense as well um apart from that of course i do believe that other um, such as other uh, capabilities such as ai machine learning etc using those in better diagnosis and more uh, uh, appropriate treatment is also happening um, i'm sure the current crisis will push that also um let me let me bring in uh, vijender here before i move to dr arvind lal uh, and i want to pose the same question to both of them um the ecosystem around healthcare uh, what are what are really the opportunities i mean we speak so much about digital uh, you know what are really the opportunities available with uh, with with you know digital technologies that are available to us i mean in, you know for for, for the layman uh, what exactly is there? yeah so first of all i think uh, there are so many startups who have been really innovating a lot of uh, healthcare related stuff in the past actually healthcare was more of a more of a touch 
which was traditionally we are being like you know believing on the touch from the doctor and those golden words when the doctor tells the patient that he don't worry theek ho jaoge that itself was really a, 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 a you know point of you know uh, confidence and trust on on the, on the doctors now i think uh, more about if you talk about uh, digital i think it's more to do with electronic medical record management if somewhere if 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 any patient comes and all the records are are managed on the, this particular platform i think it's going to be uh, uh, first sort of you know step towards uh, the whole whole ecosystem on on digital uh, diagnostics or digital healthcare systems so it will not only uh, improve the the efficacy of the treatment but also will be more efficient and number 3 i think important would be that with these things probably the cost of of uh, uh, healthcare uh, services would also reduce to some extent so from my point of view i think first of all uh, uh, what what needs to be attacked is 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 uh, ehr or emr you know uh, platforms which which really can help uh, the patient now second question comes on the security and safety for there uh, something has to be worked upon the safety and security of the patient's data uh, through uh, password protected uh, files uh us uh, usb is uh, you know creating some view usbs which with the patient can actually use these uh, you know uh, uh, data they can sort of tie around their their wrist so that you know the the data is is constantly available to the to the uh, uh, treating patient so i think first is is, is this from my, from my point of view and when you talk about digitization of of uh, healthcare system is concerned absolutely Dr. Lal, uh, would you like to sort of uh, comment on that bit? Uh, you know about about what really can be transformed with with digital. You know, in 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 India's case. Allow me. I'll come to digital in a in a minute. But I think the the burning question is that uh, has there been a failure uh, to increase testing, tracing, and vaccinating? So, uh, if I may be allowed to answer this basic question. So, as we all know that the the testing has really you know increased in india and uh, of course uh, i think one day we went up to a, a full uh, level of 15 lakhs per day uh, but the states with high burden are still not testing enough so that is the point i want to make and who guidelines suggest positivity rate of 5% and below whereas our current positivity rate is around 20% and this is way too high in our many days in in our labs here we are reporting even 30 35% so i would like to add that delhi has reported a decline in daily testing this month with the positivity rate shooting up to about 40% and rt pcr testing in particular which has got more than 70 75% accuracy has now gone down to almost 30 by about 30% not to 30% and this is undermining all the other efforts we are putting to save lives so our personally speaking in our dr lal prath labs the workload has gone up at least five times and we are testing about 10000 samples of covid rt pcr in delhi alone and another 10000 in our labs all over india so the demand for the other tests which are post covid infection tests uh, like crp d dimer ih6 is also risen sharply i i would say about again you know 3 to 5 times however we are facing shortages on the supply side of most of these kits because practically nothing in our line is manufactured in india and since the current dominant strain which i had just talked about is found to be more infective than the strains we are dealing with last year 
it is i think very important to not lose sight of the basic which is test track isolate and then vaccinate so as soon as possible and then i would like to you know add quickly about the vaccines so now we are all hearing that uh, tomorrow onwards that is first of may will under 18 will also start getting vaccination and the point is that we have vaccinated less than 40% of our current eligible or of our current goal which is 45 years plus so with huge variations across tamil nadu and which has covered 18% of eligible population chatisgarh says it has covered 69% so let's look into the maths or mathematics of the universal vaccination in india how much how much you want to vaccinate so from my figures are that it is you know if you take both these vaccines to be about 80% Uh, you know efficacy which are currently and i'm not talking about dr reddy's uh, uh, you know uh, vaccine which should be better and you need about 70% of the population to be included in vaccination to have a herd immunity so this stand amounts to 87.5% of the indian population and if we take indian population to be at a say rounded number of 130 crores you have to vaccinate manu 114 crore individuals 114 crore now if you start vaccinating at 30 lakhs per day which incidentally we had touched one day but now we are even less than that you will take about a year to vaccinate uh, vaccinate all these 114 crore people and if you go up to say 50 lakhs you can do it probably in 8 to 9 months so additional focus should be to prioritize and accelerate vaccination in these 150 districts identified with more than 5% positivity rate which i just spoken about and also what you need is a lot of coordination between the center and the states as you know that they are not talking to each other sometimes delhi government is always blaming the center and madras high court is telling something to the election commission and all those things and uh, these private hospitals private labs to ensure equitable distribution of vaccines and avoid acute shortages the oxygen supply shortage situation should never be repeated so that's i would i would like to say here absolutely uh, before before i bring in asif also here i would request our audience to uh, please send in the questions so we can take these questions at the end of the of the session so uh, please do send in the questions uh, through the course of the conversation asif um, um, you know I, you you mentioned you want to speak about uh, you know about the integration of ehr with with health health infrastructure how that's really going to help so uh, give us your thoughts on that before i go back to what um, lal had said uh sure uh, uh as we see you know uh, you know india is in the process of vaccinating and dr lal rightly mentioned that it is of the utmost priority uh, as i as i already spoke that we are struggling with three things uh, and many things at a time like vaccination you know testing the patients and treating the patients who are already infected so when a covid infected patient is admitted uh, you know in a healthcare facility so uh, covid basically uh, decreases your immunity and there are a lot of underlying you know health uh, problems that a patient is already facing and in the times of panic where we are not able to you know fulfill the resources the use of e health tools specifically ehr systems which contains the history of the patient you know when a doc- when a patient is sitting in front of the uh, you know 
doctor. He needs to know, uh, apart from COVID, what other underlying health problems they have. So if we try to integrate public, private players and the technology companies to come together around the common objective of a digital approach, that's how we can realize the digital transformation and bring in long-term value care into the system. But um, even then, I'm sure there are there are uh, there will be a lot of challenges, right? I mean, in that whole integration. Uh, Mukesh, uh, would you would you want to sort of comment on on the health, uh, you know, technology ecosystem right now, and what are the challenges that we are facing? Sure, sure. So maybe maybe just to sort of take a step back and also add on top of uh, what Meena began with. I think if you look at the overall patient journey, I think uh, we could broadly look at it into three sort of broad buckets. One is in general better self care. Right? You, you don't want to fall sick, right? And there is a lot that happening in that space with the combination of apps, wearables. I think Mina spoke about capturing vitals all the time, etc. Such that you overall increasing your awareness of health and not going towards falling sick. Yeah, I think that is that is sort of one one zone. The second zone is maybe access and consultation and advice, uh, diagnostics, you know, the whole, whole chain, right? Now, this is where the biggest challenge in India today is, right? When we think about number one access, I mean, the, we all know the ratio of number of doctors to the population and all of that. Uh, also, the challenges I think Dr. Lal spoke about in the situation like this, however, a diagnostic ecosystem, you know, starts falling short, how it increases such a high pressure onto our ecosystem, etc. And of course, uh, then the medication, availability of medicine, the whole e-commerce, etc. Now, this this uh, second zone is my sense where maximum innovation, maximum effort is right now. And probably also because this is where most of the money in the value chain today is, and hence everybody is uh, focusing there, right? And then the third third part of the equation is condition management, right? So you, you've been diagnosed with something, you've given advice, you've got the medicine, but it's a relatively longer condition. And then you need to manage that condition. Uh, I think uh, there was a mention of digital therapeutics, which is one one specific uh, sort of uh, intervention helping you. But there's a lot more, a lot more which is happening outside India and should come here as well around community development, coaching, et cetera, et cetera. Now, now, when you think about these three buckets, I think if there is enough investment on the first one, which is better self-care, I think it will help us to drastically reduce the load on the second one. Okay, But for whatever reason, I think it has not been evolved at the speed as we would all like to. Right? So that is, that is one aspect. The second aspect is what Vijendra briefly spoke about here. Uh, but I would sort of even take a little bit broader think to it around overall standardization and interoperability, right? The healthcare system is missing the USP of the high-tech world. I think the high-tech world is somewhere where we should learn from how on an ongoing basis they continue to evolve standards and then the whole ecosystem work around those standards. And that is what brings the power of the ecosystem, you know, to sort of solve the problem. In some form, I continue to tend to feel that Various parts of the ecosystem are almost holding the elephant from different sides. But is it all coming together? Is it all coming in a shape and form such that it resonates and works well for the patient today? It is something missing. And that is where there's a need for an intervention. I don't know whether it's uh, you know very equivalent of try or something like that, which creates and manages these standards. 
around which the whole ecosystem was operating. Right. So that is that is the second comment. And the third one is also the when we look at this whole space. Uh, I mean, in simple word we have to put there is hardware and software. Hardware is about devices, wearables, you know, a lot of stuff which uh, uh, we we end up using for diagnostics, uh, you know, collection of vitals, etc. I think if we apply the India lens, we've sort of been lagging uh, onto this, and most of this we buy or import. While we are doing well on the software side, and I think we should continue to do well because of the large population, there is this whole ability to collect data, and once you collect data, maybe you apply AI, ML, and do a lot more uh, on top of that. My sense is there should be enough focus on the hardware side as well, and probably India needs to do a lot more in that space as well. So those are sort of three broad challenges I would want to put forward. And I think some of these are relatively bigger problems to solve in general for the industry and maybe with some help from government. Bhupinder, um, interesting points uh, they made made by Mukesh. Uh, you know, standardization and interoperability. Um, you know, how we're missing the sort of high tech here uh, and, and we really need some intervention here. What are your thoughts, uh, you know, on the, on the challenges surrounding, uh, you know, this, this enormous opportunity that is available to us? Yeah, I would like to add here with the, with the, with the future of Indian um, healthcare and the problems and the uh, some emerging technologies we should add, like a, like a blockchain. See, the Indian healthcare ecosystem consists of many key stakeholders, like uh, there are patients, providers, payers, pharma, medical, technology, technology vendors, suppliers, and the government and the healthcare regulators. So these stakeholders interact with each other through a complex network of interdependent and data-intensive workflows to generate a meaningful health information. And, uh, and the technology has helped the healthcare ecosystem to optimize this complex workflow by connecting the various stakeholders and providing a real-time information to deliver enhanced patient care. But we are lacking uh, at a lot of places. We, it is lacking to where data security comes in, where the connectivity between all the, all the medical stakeholders comes in the picture, whether they are the hospitals, the government, this is a segregated data. There is no one info, uh, information where you can go there and have that information like the, you call about in a UK or a European, the, the national health, health system. There's nothing which is called one in India, which connects everything, uh, everything at one place. So there are two, two perspectives of a remaining health information exchange in India. Uh, one calls for a secure enabling technology, while the other calls for the standardization through regulations. And, and uh, for the former, India uh, need to look on the global trends um, and evaluate emerging techno technologies such as blockchain, uh, because we are working very hard on that. So that's the most secure and most immutable uh, thing which can, can uh, cannot be break. So we are working hard on a blockchain on healthcare. And, and in, the, in the later case, enabling the standardized and secure health information exchange between the healthcare providers and adjusting industries such as the healthcare in itself, the insurance, the pharma is, is an important task for the regulators, which is uh, which our government and other agencies are lacking actually. Now, with the with the Indian government having having the frame policies and the standard on the EHRs and the first steps in the direction have been taken, but it's not uh, 
it's not enough actually. And I can say uh, seamless sharing of information between the providers will ensure a fast and more accurate diagnosis, more effective treatments for the patients. It will help to increase our ability of providers to make care delivery cost effective and improve overall patient experience, which is which is we are very poor in that. I I see India healthcare the patient experience. If you talk about the government hospitals. If we rate from a one to ten, they they won't rate more than three, three or four because there are there are so many lacks in the system, and that is need to be taken care of. and and the and the use of a unique digital signature which we can use as a Aadhaar to authenticate information, make and make a blockchain as the secure encoded technology for that, and it's it could be answer the Indian healthcare industry uh, uh, legacy challenges and. And you can say the blockchain can allow the stakeholders in the healthcare ecosystem to share patients, treatment, clinical information without compromising on security, which is which is very important. And all the agencies are struggling for that, ensuring information origin as well as uh, change tracking, I could say. Fascinating, uh, interesting points there. Uh, but let me just bring in Mina. Mina here. Um, um, you know, Bhubinder sort of spoke about, uh, you know, how this can help with EMR, you know, and, you know, and treatment and all of that. What I want to also understand from you is, uh, can does technology have the potential to reduce uh, medical expense? And if that is the case, um, you know, uh, accessibility, you know, when we talk about tier two, tier three towns in the country, uh, would accessibility then become a problem for these people? What are your thoughts? So let me answer the first question and uh, with a very specific use case of where um, cost of uh, cost of treatment and cost of healthcare can actually be reduced by using combination of technology and outside of hospital care. Um, so if you look at um, um, infectious diseases, um, one, this is a pilot that we have done with a large insurance company and um, post pilot and post IRD approval, this is now getting rolled out uh, very uh, broadly. So they, they created what is called as a fever helpline so that anybody who has a fever, um, it calls in that helpline. There's a triage carried out. There's a teleconsultation that get that gets done, and basis the teleconsultation, we decide whether the patient needs to go through further testing, uh, just needs um, you know medication at that stage, uh, testing, or whether they need to be referred to a hospital. In doing so, um, the data showed that a good forty percent of earlier what would have been sent to a hospital and hence experienced hospital costs got uh, replaced by at-home costs. So there was a direct reduction in costs of uh, care for this infectious disease protocol. Likewise, if you look at uh, a different uh, use case of, um, let's say, carrying out more complex procedures for post-hospitalization or even for uh, people who are suffering from diseases such as cancer, many of those uh, uh, those uh, diseases can be managed with the combination of uh, at-home care and remote monitoring so that those procedures can be uh, carried out at home at a much lower cost without a hospitalization, without the potential uh, hospital bone um, additional infections that may that they may uh, come with. So the usage of a combination of digital health plus outside of hospital care can indeed reduce the cost of care very clearly in many use cases. Now, speaking of access in the tier two, tier three, uh, how does digital health um, 
does it help or does it hinder um i would say that if you if you go to uh, the even to the tier 3 or even to the rural locations now the availability of mobile availability and comfort of people to use mobile um, based uh, apps to access anything i mean people are shopping people can very well do the doctor consultations also can significantly help in ensuring that people get care at the right time what happens is in most of these cases where people are living in far flung areas without immediate access to health care they tend to put off the Uh, consultations because there is way too much of resistance to go into a facility which may not be close by and if the facility is if they have to go to a different city or a different town to get their tests or for secondary um, consultation they just put it off till things become very bad so what it this does is that ensure that people are being uh, checked they are uh, consulted they are followed up at regular intervals so that you prevent things from escalating and uh, address the uh, disease or address the situation early on in the whole process and that obviously can only reduce the cost absolutely uh, definitely i mean we we hope that happens uh, dr lal uh, would you want to sort of uh, you know i'd asked you earlier also about even in your line of business you know in in, in diagnostics and otherwise uh, the potential that uh, this transformation has uh, that you see yeah of course uh you know in our case the it department is the biggest department but i'll start you know slightly you know from the legacy point of view when uh, when ict was emerging the adoption of these technologies in healthcare were very complex and sometimes very expensive and of course very limited so health tech companies have been able to break this barrier to a large extent by helping existing services providers adopt digital technologies to transform you know how as you have all mentioned in various ways so the health tech vertical is also characterized with large number of innovators and startups so in our case i don't want to go into our you know kind of a thing but we started earliest probably in india in 1986 and we had a, a management um, you know lab information management system at that time and in 1999 we changed to triple g ultra which was from a australian canadian software company and today it's the it platform is uh, you know the uh, what we call uh, a star limbs and uh, this has been uh, you know uh, the 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 uh, uh, has come in, in 2012 only and before that we had had an ibm design and ibm operated data center so what we would like to really emphasize now is that now we've been able to completely automate our lab processes and use several enablers like the mobile app for customers in phlebotomist the chat box on the website the emrf portal for material requisition etc and high tech equipment like the philips ultra fast scanners to digitize our histopathology samples and the uptake of digital technologies has further accentuated by the covid-19 pandemic health tech companies are completely revolutionizing how we search for medical knowledge resources big data enabling remote consultations as you know have just been mentioned between doctors and patients in fact if you ask me india has no other option but to heavily rely on telemedicine because we don't have enough doctors and the uh, with the advent of internet well the, the more and more patients are going to be taking doctor consultations you know by the telemedicine way so facilitating clinical support monitoring quality of care which is very important 
monitoring the spread of disease as what we are already doing and sharing of data between government and providers as well as tracking so that is what i would say is you know the the main you know uh, way we can use digital technology and i am sure we will you know go much beyond this thank you absolutely um vijender uh, would you would you also agree to this um, and and after we take uh, vijender's answer i think uh, we'll we'll move to the audience questions uh, before we come back to our uh, you know panelists for closing comments um vijender what are your thoughts um, you know on 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 all of these changes that that technology can bring and and what are the sort of the challenges that you foresee in in adaptation to this i mean you know things like you know are people ready to embrace those changes yeah i think dr lal is right because if you look at the traditional ways of things that dr lal can explain much better because he's been there for so many years but i think diagnostics has always been at the forefront in in adopting these you know uh, state of the art technologies whether it is rt pcr or, or any other you know state of art and today we been able to kind of you know expand our rt pcr technology into uh, into almost about 18 to 20 cities primarily because of this only number 2 i think see remember that diagnostics or any healthcare system works on sops and sops doesn't mean only sops strict sops the the better you follow these strict sops the outcome would be good now the challenge is to, is to you know digitize all these sops until unless you digitize some of these you are not going to achieve full sort of you know benefits of the digitization right from sample collection till till it reaches the lab and then upload of results and then after that once the results are uploaded once the result reaches the hands of doctor or 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 a, or a patient your actually work starts from there and that is what you know lot of digitization in terms of interaction or engaging with with customers and and doctors would be the need of art i'm not here talking about the traditional ways of diagnostics technology i'm here talking about modern technologies where you can engage what we what you know one of the spokespersons also talked about experience i think that is one thing which is a big you know gap in our healthcare systems so probably we need to really work hard on engaging with with, with you know uh, customers and 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 patients now in our case in last uh, you know uh, one year or so we have developed so many platforms whether it is it is direct with consumers whether it is clinicians whether it is our our b2b customers corporate customers we have created uh, customized kind of platforms where you know it becomes seamless uh, kind of uh, 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 process or 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 the whole journey of uh, sample uh, right from collection till till upload of result actually becomes seamless so these are some of the important aspects when you talk about modern uh, technology absolutely um so we'll start taking some questions from the audience and the first question has come from devanand uh, who asked what budget uh, what budget should healthcare and pharma companies keep for new technologies um so let me bring in asif here and i'll ask this same question to some father panelists as well yeah so uh, as a, you know as we concluded our talk on technology and the convergence of healthcare we have seen that every healthcare player has their own story of how technology has transformed them beat you know dr lal pathlabs who said that they they took in technology at the very beginning of the outburst of technology in india you know uh, according to us uh, uh, digital health report the potential impact of digital health for pharma represents an eye opening 100 billion dollar opportunity globally now it is really upon the pharma companies to embrace technologies like digital therapeutics if you talk about the pharma sector particularly 
uh, we at Ebola Health Systems are working towards making technology around the pill, around the management of prescription plans, around the, you know enhancing those prescription plans for the patients. So it is uh, you know the budgets right now are a little low uh, in countries like India, but uh, you know the place where we are working from, uh, you know in US and Europe, uh, pharma companies and you know healthcare companies are spending a lot of their budgets, uh, you know on leveraging technology and adopting things like uh, digital therapeutics and digital health solutions. If you talk about IBM Health uh, particularly, we are working on drug food interactions, uh, a topic of interest with also for IBM Health. You know, they are spending billion dollars on just researching on minor and, you know, crucial topics such as drug food interactions, uh, which are yet to touch, you know, countries like India. Uh, that's uh, what I would like to you know, say to the question of budgeting for technologies on pharma and health companies. Uh, let me bring in Mukesh because Mukesh is at the center of all of this. Mukesh, uh, what budget should healthcare and pharma companies keep for new technologies? Uh, I think it's a, maybe I'll answer the question differently. I think it's, it's about finding right use cases to help patients in their journey. And at least my experience so far when Dr. Reddy's uh, budget has never been a problem. I think as far as we are uh, doing the right thing, whether it is about making our value chain more efficient so that we are able to live our purpose of drinking medicine, making medicines more affordable and more accessible to our patients. And then everything we are doing in the patient journey, which we call as health plus, and you know, ensuring helping helping them manage condition, all of that. Never, never in my I think I've been in doctorate for nine years, never had a challenge in terms of you know budget or how much money I could spend. Having said that, I mean broad direction as these budgets are increasing because there are more and more use cases emerging. There are more and more opportunities are emerging both in terms of making your own value chain better with digital transformation as well as helping the patient journey. Uh, I think a good example to see is banking. I've seen that bank, banks probably, if you look at 10 years back, their budgets would have been very similar to companies, anything between you know 1 to 3% of revenue. I think they are way above 10% uh, of revenue when you think about the way they operate. My sense is eventually all industries will go in that direction sooner or later. Interesting, massive opportunity there. Uh, second question has come from Navdeep Kaur. Um, and the question is to Mr. Singh. Um, I, I assume this is a question to Bhupinder. Um, how are you using the potential of blockchain in healthcare and how critical medical applications need the trust of a system like blockchain? What are your thoughts, uh, Bhupinder? Yeah. Uh, healthcare is one of the oldest and the biggest growing uh, industry and uh, it faces many challenges including the medical records as we spoke earlier and uh, medical records placement, uh, patient, patient data storage and handling the safe and uh, secure manner. Uh, there is where blockchain can be the best possible solution to this uh, problem handling since blockchain is being uh, adopted by many other sectors like chain management, finance, and etc., which also requires a data management to at every step. And it's uh, highly recommended to use uh, its potential towards the healthcare management as well. Um, healthcare industry landscape is rapidly changing and growing uh, with time and adding uh, new capabilities with the help of uh, AI, artificial intelligence, uh, along with the decentralized uh, ledger technology. Uh, will definitely help in the data management and its uh, security. 
today if we talk that patients in the healthcare organization are facing a serious problem in uh, sharing medical information among different stakeholders without sacrificing the privacy and integrity of information. Um, all majorly patients have less uh, or no control over their uh, health data storage uh, or their health information and and the transmission. Does uh, does this decentralize and uh, the democratizing medical tech through the blockchain will solve the fundamental challenge uh, in healthcare uh, space? That is um, how how to support large, complex, and disparate data while maintaining a security and privacy of uh, that data. Um, I can say the hence it is. Uh, uh, it is a time for the healthcare industry embraces which changes the uh, and adopt to the newer, safer, and faster medium of of transmission. So that's what I would like to say. And this is the most secure thing to do it. And uh, yeah, let me let me just expand that question and ask Mina this. Uh, you know, when we spoke about blockchain, but when we talk about data, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, you know, how, how critical are these, you know, as we, and as Mukesh rightly pointed out, you know, compared to what banking was earlier and to where it is right now in terms of opportunity, uh, how, how critical are these things, you know, as healthcare moves into the, into the next leg, probably after the whole COVID uh, scene? See, um, uh, from where I sit, I see this as a very useful um, support for, uh, from a diagnosis perspective. Um, it, the, what it does is that if you can um, use param parameters to do the diagnosis rather than always only rely on individuals to take a call, the possibility of um, uh, of uh, using a lot more people uh, with lower level of skills with a fantastic tool to uh, support a huge number of population. And just to take an example, you, I'm sure you heard of the Spicy network, I think it's called for um, uh, radiology support and um, using radiologists from across the country, they are doing and using AI and machine learning, they're able to do a huge amount of diagnosis uh, for even uh, uh, CT scans of COVID positive patients or, or CT scans of people to see whether they are COVID positive and so on. Just a lot of technology can help in the diagnosis. So that is one space where uh, removing the uh, using fewer people with maybe people with a little bit of lesser skill but getting to a probably even better outcome is something that i see would be extraordinarily useful in this country especially where we have such a huge shortage of um, doctors huge shortage of skilled manpower uh, how do we use what is available to give you an example uh, in the rural areas uh, there are a lot of asha workers who are very good in terms of going into people's homes and you you can we can Tell them to capture a certain bit of data using a technology, using a point of care device, and they'll do that. Or they can take an app and capture. You can give them an app. You can train them. They can capture the data. But they may not be able to do the diagnosis, whereas all the data, when it comes in at the back and using appropriate tools, uh, diagnosis can be quickly turned around. And that can decide who needs to be attended to with what kind of emergency or what intervention needs to be done. So I think this can truly change the public health system uh, if we can use a combination of um, um, a data capture at the right point, uh, supported by good tools at the back end. I must um, I must add here, Kalyan Shivasailam of Five C was on the Forbes uh, Forbes India Thirty Under Thirty uh, sometime back. Yes. Phenomenal work that he is doing. Um, and we've got another question uh, from Elisa uh, 
Delhi. Uh, sorry, Mr. Lal, uh, you would like to make a point on, on rural areas? I guess that what has been said so far is absolutely you know true and it is okay for advanced societies where say Bhubindar is coming from and from uh, where other people are you know um, going to be in but talking about rural India you would be shocked to hear that there is only 29% connectivity of the internet that's point number one point number two is that this last mile connectivity and you know the uh, the government will keep on saying about Bharatnet and uh, you know two lakh fifty thousand gram panchayats out of which one hundred uh, one lakh fifty thousand have been connected so far, but on ground we don't see now. There is no point in connecting a gram panchayat and not connecting the health and wellness center, which the government itself has said that okay we are going to build one lakh fifty thousand of them and uh, you know they are going to uh, provide free uh, everything free the free treatment free diagnostics. And um, uh, free something else, you know, uh, uh, control of NS, NCDs, etc. So, point I'm my simple point only is that in India, we have a long way to go. Last mile connectivity is not there. And this Bharat net, of course, you people would know much better than me. But I would like you to, you know, really examine new technologies here. And I'm going to take a case in point of Elon Musk's new project known as Starlink in which he has, you know, 12,000 private satellites are going to be launched. And I believe they've already launched 1,000 of them. And this should bring in the last mile connectivity at a, a phenomenal speed of 300 Mbps. Now, if such things could happen, I believe it's not going to be cheap. But to start with, nothing was ever cheap in this world. So that's the only point I would like to make that the last mile connectivity is something which is the on ground reality in India. You come with me, we are running, you know, uh, uh, my wife and I, 10 health and wellness centers or primary health centers in the state of Uttarakhand. Please come with us and see what is happening on the ground. Right. So, and the story will be repeated in um, uh, UP, Bihar, Rajasthan, etc. So I think uh, before we jump on to, you know, blockchains, etc., they're very good. I mean, I. I, I agree with you that you, on the one hand, we are, you know, having a shot at Mars. And on the other hand, you know, we are still in the Stone Age, you know, regarding, you know, basic primary health in India. So that's all I would like to suggest. Now. Absolutely. Uh, we are really running short on time. So we are going to start taking closing comments. Uh, we've got one question for Asif. So I, I'll ask you to uh, probably merge that with your closing comments as well. Uh, so let me, uh, you know, I know Mukesh and Meena also have to leave. So let me go for uh, closing comments from Mukesh. Uh, Mukesh, you know, uh, you know, with all of this talk about technology, the way I see it or the way that we, we are going to see uh, the role of that is mostly in preventive healthcare and how that. So uh, take us through, you know, how that can be accelerated with uh, with digital technology and, uh, you know, maybe yeah, give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, so, so as I mentioned, I think looking back at the sort of uh, layers I spoke about, you know, I think there is a increasing uh, effort needed on better self-care. I think that will help us drastically reduce the load on the overall healthcare ecosystem. I, I fully agree with Dr. Lal around uh, improving primary care. And my, my opinion is even there, a lot more is possible using digital tech to fully transform that space as well. I think the e-consult, uh, you know, remote diagnostic, all of this is coming for age. And it is about ensuring that it goes to the last mile now and we truly use it. And that would 
multiply the overall impact of what we could do in primary care. And then third, as I mentioned, the overall condition management. I think there is more impetus needed there. I don't think there is enough focus from various ecosystem players to do this. And Last comment, I think the strength lies in all of this coming together, the whole ecosystem coming together. And there we need the, as I said, the USB of the high tech world. We need the USB of the high tech world and health tech industry. Absolutely. Um, I know, I know Meena has to go. Uh, Ma'am, uh, your closing comments, uh, your thoughts on, you know, preventive healthcare and, you know, how that's going to be accelerated by technology. So, um, no, I want my closing comment is really that I sincerely hope that uh, we as a country learn from this really, really horrible crisis in looking at healthcare as a complete system, not looking at silos and bits and pieces. It's not public versus private. It's not um, uh, uh, one, one part of the industry versus the other. It is that there, is, there has to be a very comprehensive review of how healthcare can be delivered in a large country like this with very, very diverse population having huge needs across the country. Um, I don't think uh, we are doing justice to it at all. We have to pull all the pieces together. And now vaccination is going to be another massive drive. I don't think we are ready, ready for that at all. Uh, we have to do a lot of soul searching to put together something which will work for us. And we don't face a similar problem in another pandemic. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Thank you, Meena, for, uh, for those thoughts. Uh, let me uh, um, bring in Dr. Uh, Mr. Um, um, you know, Vijender Singh here. Vijender, uh, uh, your closing comments on where we are right now and what Meena spoke about, you know, we really need a comprehensive uh, review of the healthcare system. So what can really private sectors, uh, private sector do on that front and, uh, and, and, and can technology do a, uh, have, have a role in that? I think uh, the challenge in India is, is mammoth. And as Dr. Lal said that the population of India is about 125 crore and masses would need the, the healthcare in the in tier 3 and tier 4 towns as well. So I think this collaborative approach with government and even uh, larger players, uh, they, they all collaborate together and, and jointly, I think, face this whole mammoth challenge. I think that if, if everybody comes together, I think this, this war can be won easily. Ms. Dr. Lal, uh, are you there? Sorry, so I think... Yeah, I would just like to add in the end that, you know, from uh, if you look at the holistic view and for a moment, you know, you just put digital, which is most important, I think, in, in transforming health in modern India. Just keep that aside. But just look at the challenge. The challenge is 70 percent of your population is living in rural areas where, you know, even water and you know sanitation is at you know, it's a premium. So you've got to first reach there get into the primary health because if you do not take care of the primary health you know you're you can keep on building hospital after hospital secondary tertiary health uh, you know infrastructure is not the ultimate answer it is important but primary health in india has been neglected for which the government itself has to be blamed because they have promised that they will start spending 2.5 percent of our gdp you know from 2025 onwards and i don't see anything happening on that account which means that the government has to spend on an average 1.2 lakh crores extra every year. At this time, they spent only 70,000 crores in, in the in the previous budget, in this modern budget. 
so if they, the government also has to chip in large amounts of money and of course people like us you know in the private sector have to be roped in by by some way or the other and digitization is the is the backbone on which modern healthcare in india is going to ride on thank you absolutely um asif uh, you know to the earlier question that had come our way also which is on you know how the healthcare sector is innovating and the role that epilo is playing on that front uh, if you could just sort of take us through that with your closing comment sure uh you know manu uh, the father of modern medicine uh, hippocrates uh, he rightly said that you know wherever there is a love for humanity there is a love for medicine uh, as ms gandhi dr lal you know mr vijender and everybody in the panel talked about the role of technology in their organizations from a asha worker worker you know helping a rural livelihood person in the times of covid to companies like epilo and ibm and uh, google health working on patent pending medical innovations you know everything is healthcare and everything is humanity the pers- the perspective and perception of technology in healthcare is about helping that asha worker you know uplift her work and amplify more care into the lives of the, those workers and for us at epilo health systems technology is about Uh, you know embracing machine learning artificial intelligence and blockchain uh, to innovate and you know help the population globally at large uh, with the innovation uh, innovation scale such as drug food interactions and more critical technologies uh, thank you thank you right um, let me just uh, take the closing comments from uh, dr bhupinder also uh, you know i mean somewhere we'll need you know i mean mixed right i mean there's of course i mean so much advancement on the technology front but at the same time you know in a country like india we still need to sort of manage you know uh, our basic health infrastructure um, so take us through you know can technology fix those as well yeah manu uh, as a very very important question actually uh, as dr lal and uh, asif mentioned that uh, primary health is actually very important. and if we if we if we club uh, primary health with the innovative technologies and as the government of india always nowadays they they all that they were winning election point was one of the digital india you know and but still the digital india is all on the mobile phones it is just lying on the mobile phones and internet and a youtube left it is never implemented on a real need of a healthcare actually the people um, who is ex- even a rickshaw puller he got a mobile phone with the internet but there is no healthcare benefit to him there is nothing um, nothing which is which can actually improve his health there is nothing which connects him to the government for the health uh, issues you know so that is where the the telemedicine was one of the important aspects for the government but still they are not even touching it uh, on the very primary level or the village level as dr lal mentioned very uh very significant and that's really true we as uh, technology and we should uh bring some innovations and the government should uh, adopt uh, the companies like us and dr lal and all other companies to to bring the change in the industry to bring the bring the change in the in the health of the rural india actually which is the 70% of the country and uh, dr lal mentioned that it is it is very important and it's like a luxury for them to have a have a tap water you know it's luxurious to have them uh, uh, a a bulb a light you know so that's where we are lacking uh, a lot so yes uh, digital healthcare and the 
and the government support will be primarily health if that clubs it can change the future of uh, indian healthcare industry thank you uh, we've really run we've really run out of time and uh, you know I mean, that's that's what I mean I had to leave but uh, but thank you gentlemen um, and of course I mean Meena for joining us today uh, it's been a fabulous discussion and uh, we we really hope this could have continued for longer but unfortunately we are short on time so um, so thank you once again for joining us um, we hope you're all staying safe uh, and continue to stay safe and even for the to the audience who joined us please continue to wear your masks stay at home and um, and and thank you thank you once again for having us stay thank safe you. thank you everyone thank you. thanks for